When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rand with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Skull, 1-0. 1-0 start, Randy. What were we talking about? We were talking about previewing this game all week. We were talking about preseason tight end threes. We got sick of that. We finally had a football game to talk about, and we watched the Vikings win in week one against the Green Bay Packers. This is Realistic Randy Rants with my guy Randy. I am Declan here. We're going to break things down uh, from the Vikings win over the Packers. Uh, if you get the subscribe button for the Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here on Purple Daily, the home of Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily, Ventline, uh, Trenches with Boone, Before We Die with Jesse Pearson, Thor Nystrom, Realistic Randy Rance living here every Monday, the day after Vikings wins. So uh, let's get into it here, Randy. So I gave my kind of initial thoughts on Ventline and some statements as well. Um, I kind of want to hear your lead thought here, your main takeaway after the Vikings start hot with a week one win against the Green Bay Packers. What we saw yesterday is what this team has been capable of for years, even going back to Stefan Diggs, a prolific, sexy style of offense. We just needed a coach to unlock that for us. And my God, where do you even start? How about the fact that there were very few plays where there weren't pre-snap motion? That's different. It shows that this team is deliberately looking to exploit every mismatch that they can find every single snap. And if nothing else, pre-snap motion, it lets you know ahead of time whether you're up against a man or zone coverage scheme. Also, Declan Goff, not sure if you saw this. Kirk Cousins audible yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. that, not with this team anyway. Yeah. And up 10 to nothing with under three minutes left to go in the first half. Typical Vikings in years past, they get complacent. Mm-hmm. Run, run, pass, defense, 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 maybe score a field goal, probably not punt the ball away to the other team. Instead, they stayed aggressive to go up 17 to nothing. And here's what did it for me. The Vikings were up 20 to 7 after Green Bay scored a touchdown off an A.J. Dillon run. Vikings get the ball back. Doesn't work out. They punt the ball away back to Green Bay. And for a brief moment in time, (laughs) that old feeling of, oh, boy, here here we go. Stupid me. How? Why did I believe in this team in the first place? And as quickly as that happened, I said to myself, you know what? No, I'm not doing this anymore. This is a new team. This is where coaching prevails. Give this man a chance. 
when any sort of adversity slaps your team in the face, all the other teams in the league, 31 teams in the league, they got to deal with it too. What's different about us? How do you respond? Can you keep your team engaged? Packers get the ball. Aaron Rodgers, he gets sacked twice. Mm -hmm. Green Bay puts the ball back to Minnesota. Coaching is the main thing that has held this team back. And now that the upgrade is here, the sky is the limit for the Vikings. That is the difference that is Kevin O'Connell. He was a difference maker, man. I mean, they, they made the decision the Vikings did to essentially run it back. And with some tweaks here and there, right? You add as a Darius Smith. Um, you plug in maybe a couple rookies here and there. Ed Ingram was on the line. But mostly, same team. Same team as last year with, with the, their star players for the most part. And they said coaching and leadership was the two things that act, were the two things that had to be changed to make drastic improvements in 2022. They still thought the Wilfs that is that this Vikings team could compete for a Super Bowl, and that's what they were able to do. Um, and coaching did matter there, dude. I mean, I thought Kevin O'Connell and look, this will happen. Like he's going to face some type of adversity. He might get out coached in a situation against a veteran guy here. He might even out coach himself and play himself. That that is still 100 percent probably going to happen at some point this year. But the Packers know who the Vikings are. Like nothing about nothing about the Vikings has changed from if you're the Green Bay Packers, you know how to prepare for them. You know who Kirk Cousins is. You know who Justin Jefferson is. You know who all the playmakers are. I mean the preparing from I know who the personnel that I'm going up against. Matt LaFleur's been going up against them for the last four years. He knows who they are. But coaching, scheming, yeah. play calling, situational stuff. This is clearly Matt LaFleur realized, oh, crap. This is not Mike Zimmer's Vikings. This is a completely new-look Vikings team. Now, the Packers look like they got some warts of their own, and that is delicious to see from my side. But they were not prepared for Kevin O'Connell's offense. It was clear. Like, they had the great first drive. They Kirk did not check it down right away. He hit Justin Jefferson for nine catches. He targeted him 11 times. The Packers were not prepared for Kevin O'Connell. I think that was also one of my main takeaways, too. And the way they started that first drive where they were hitting the tight ends, Johnny Munt, at some point, Ben Ellison, <laughs> yeah. he got a catch as well. It was just saying, okay, wow, they're, we're so focused on Jefferson and Thielen. They're going elsewhere. And yes, the Packers, they know the personnel of the Vikings, but that's it. Because when it comes to coaching, how many times did Justin Jefferson line up in the backfield as yeah. a running back? That was cool. That was just great. We've never seen anything like that before. So in that case, you don't know what the Vikings are going to do. You know them personnel-wise, but coaching-wise, play calling, the league has no idea what the Vikings are going to put on the field. It was so fun to see, and quite honestly, it's just, I just feel like we're at the point now we are going to put the league on notice. This was not a fluke. This is who the Vikings are. This is what they could have been for years. But now with the new coach, this is who they are. And I think the national media, they may be sitting there spending time. Oh, my God, what's happening to the Packers? Are they going to bounce back and get it right? Screw the Packers. And by the way, you remember years ago when Aaron Rodgers, after beating the Vikings, I think this was at U.S. Bank Stadium, he at the post-game press conference, at the podium, he was trolling the Vikings, drinking some... Was oh, it the Purple Crush. crush? Purple Crush. The purple Crush. Yeah. No, no, yes. Yeah. Yesterday, while getting their asses kicked, ironically, Aaron Rodgers was drinking Purple Gatorade. Love to see it. I have to, <laughs> now, there was that one play that. where Christian Watson, Christian Watson dropped that, what should have been a touchdown. But either way, the Vikings, from start to finish, they were... 
they were really in control of the game, and that was so refreshing to see. It kind of feels like if if things really go south for Green Bay, that when we do like the rewind of the demise of Aaron Rodgers and the Matt LaFleur, not maybe Matt LaFleur, but the Aaron Rodgers era of Green Bay, we're going to go right back to that first play to Christian Watson. First play of the game, going to tie it right back up with the bomb. Aaron Rodgers is going to dagger you right when you think maybe you got him on the ropes a little bit. But no, first play, I'm going to hit Watson. This is going to be tied up. You guys can go, come back on and take the field. Drops it. And that kind of maybe might be symbolic for the entire 2022 Packers season. Um, your original point when you first came on the mic talking about Kirk making audibles. I made this comparison that uh, it felt like, number one, he had a completely new cadence yesterday like he he was trying to get them to jump a little bit which Kirk really doesn't do very well Rodgers is masterful at it um but Kirk had a different cadence and it honestly felt like though you know sometimes Kirk's voice likes to crack a little bit and hell all of himself report my voice cracks a lot too but it just seemed like there was a little bit of like tickle me Kirk like you know there, there was still every time he hiked the ball it was something different but also like dude imagine that imagine that him having Mike Zimmer for the last five years, he says, don't worry about QB cadence. You handle that. And I'm sure Kevin O'Connell said, wait a minute here. Like, you're a smart enough dude. You're talented. You can do all the things that most quarterbacks can do for the most part. Let's change up how you're hiking that ball from Garrett Bradbury a little bit. And that was another thing. Like, the, the whole cadence and how he was hiking the ball even. Like, man, just little tweaks here and there that you we probably didn't even really realize make the big of a difference. And it certainly did because he kept Green Bay's defense on its toes all damn day long. And the thing is about Green Bay, this this wasn't going up against the Detroit Lions. Green Bay has a really good defense. Yeah. And they had no answer for the Vikings offense. And you could see it in Kirk Cousins' body language. He feels free. He the team is allowing him to be great. You saw he gave the game balls to Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. That's how happy he is demonstrating real leadership by recognizing the two guys up top. I think because he doesn't have to, he doesn't really have to have a chip on his shoulders because of in-house leadership anymore. If anything, he can just focus on opponents. That is so refreshing for him. I can imagine. I've had terrible bosses to where I know I still need to do my job in order to not get fired. So, okay, I'm just going to grit and bear it. To whereas the best bosses I've ever had, I don't want to let them down. Yeah. I'm happy to go into work every single day, and damn it, I'm going to do my job and make them happy, and it makes everyone else around me better. Right. That's what Kirk Cousins showed yesterday, and this is this is the new age Minnesota Vikings. Be aware. Hmm. Uh, Randy, I want to jump ahead a little bit, or at least stay in the same offensive vein here for just a second. So obviously, yeah, Kirk, I thought, made all the throws he was expected to make. That's the expectation. That's why we're so hard on Kirk Cousins, because if you see a game like that, we know that that quarterback is in there and he lives there, and that's why it's so frustrating because he can play like that, and they can be very conservative, safe, and just doesn't live up to his expectations, and that's why the frustration builds, yada, yada, yada. That's been the last essentially four years of the Kirk Cousins era. But my God, empowering Justin Jefferson, just saying, hey, you know what? What if we just do this? What if we uh, take that Cooper Cup idea, 11 targets for J.J., Hall's in nine of them. No one could cover him, whether it was Jair Alexander or for whatever dumb reason sticking a line. I, there was a couple times they had a linebacker on JJ. Like, what are we doing here? Like, like oh my God, Matt LaFleur, like get your, de- get, get your defense in order for God's sakes. They said everything runs through Justin Jefferson and everything else in this offense is essentially secondary. Dalvin Cook had over 100 yards all purpose yesterday and I feel like I barely noticed him. You know, Adam Thielen was, had like three catches. KJ Osborne, just a couple grabs. Herb Smith was essentially an afterthought. Everything funnels through Justin Jefferson, who's looking like he wants to be and indeed is 
the best wide receiver in the NFL? If there is something to nitpick, I will say is that I do want to see the ball spread around a little bit more because we saw what happened to Stafford in week one. If you're just locked in on Cooper Cup, teams are going to get used to that and say, okay, we can forget about guys like Allen Robinson. We can forget about everybody else. Let's just lock in on Cooper Cup. But whatever, Kirk Cousins, he's going to figure that out. Jefferson on pace for 3,100 yards. It's not going to happen. But 2K is definitely possible with the start of 184. He had more offensive yards than the Packers' whole offense in the first half. (laughs) Who knows how many many more records he's going to break this year. And in an archaic offense, his first two years in the league, he was destroying the league, beasting. And now with this head coach who's going to unlock this whole ass offense, he's the best receiver in the league right now without question. And the thing is, he's not even in his prime. He's only going to get better. There is no ceiling for this guy. It is you have mercy as a cornerback. You have mercy on whatever Justin Jefferson wants to do. I've never seen anything like it since Randy Moss. And he's the best receiver in the league. To me, he's in his own tier. And if you want to fight, I don't care about the national media rankings and well, is it Devontae Adams? Is it Mike Evans? Well, is it, is it Cooper Cup? I don't give a damn. It's Justin Jefferson up here, and everybody else argue about that if you want to. I don't got the time. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, and he's not even in his prime yet. Yeah, that's only going- that's what's terrifying. I my, my my buddies in our high school chat were like, talking about like, dude, he's not even in his prime. And he's doing this like he, he has what, 37, 38, almost 40 game sample size here. But he's not even in his like physical prime. Think about and different strokes. But like Stefan Diggs, when he came in, wasn't active for a couple games when he was a rookie. Right. And then like by year two, three, and you just saw the route running. You, he was he's a perfect example of size is not the most important thing. That dude can run a route with the best. So many, and he actually still might be the best pure route runner in the NFL. Right. Like he demonstrated that. But it still took to that Stefan Diggs. What year three? You're four where you're like, oh, okay, this guy's graduating into like the top 10 wide receiver talk in the NFL. Jefferson, after the rookie season, that was already established. After his second year, now we're discussing, to your point, the national talking heads, whether is he one, is he three, is he five, is he two? Which one does he fall into? It is clear and classic maybe overreaction Monday. The dude is is his own tier. He is at the top of the mountain. Everyone else is secondary because that guy's this damn good, and we still haven't seen the peak yet. It's terrifying from a franchise, and I don't make mean to make the comparison. It's terrifying to think that this dude could be as good as Randy Moss. Now Moss changed the game. He like he literally made the deep threat wide receiver to the next level, and I don't think Jefferson. Well, I could be wrong here. I don't think there is this next level of like aerial attack that changes the game like Randy did when he came in in '98. It just and that's not Jefferson's fault. It's just the NFL has played such in a uh, consistently different way back then. But Jefferson is approaching the territory of literally having Randy Moss comparisons. Think about that for a minute. Like the Vikings have also had some pretty decent receiver step come along here since Randy Moss, some pretty good ones. But Jefferson is entering Randy Moss territory, and he's only played 38, 39 games. And they're kind of different, too, because Jefferson, he's so smooth in his game that he always finds a way to get separation, whereas Moss, you could be right there in his face. And that's why I was a big Randy Moss fan. It's why I became a Vikings fan. We played backyard football. 
everybody wanted to be Randy Moss. We are going to embarrass whoever is covering us. I will grab this ball off of your neck if I have to. So there's a difference there. Justin Jefferson is a little bit more smooth, but I'm glad you brought up Stephon Diggs because the comparison there is if you watch Diggs, you can tell he's working his ass off on his routes and his breaks and he's doing all this and oh you can see it in his face and he got that separation just in time to make that catch justin jefferson i mean he just glides it's it's almost like he's different it's it's the comparison i will give is to the nba the likes of steph curry or luka Doncic. everything around them is super fast and high pressure and everything but when they have the ball everything slows down time doesn't matter to them Justin Justin Jefferson is different in that regards, and that's why I think he's the best receiver in the league. He doesn't have to be Randy Moss, but as far as the impact, it can still be equally as great. Yeah, it just felt like the offense funneled through him. You know, my, my nitpick from the offensive side yesterday, um, you know, you kind of brought up the fact like, hey, I would like to see the well spread around across all those weapons, which it could be. My, my nitpick was there was a sequence um, after the Vikings went up 7-0, up, uh, and there was a, after the, the first quarter was ending, it was drifting into the second quarter, and the Vikings had two offensive possessions, one that went three and out, and then one that was like a first down, but like an eight-play drive, they ended up punting. And in those eight plays, essentially, they had an offense. They didn't target Jefferson once. They handed off to Alexander Madison a few times. They threw the ball to C.J. Ham, and it was like, oh, God, are we really going to be going back to like the classic amazing first start and then vanilla conservative approach and then eventually after that, you know, those two sequences that resulted in punts, they went right back to Jefferson. Jefferson's literally running across the field with both of his arms up saying, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. And that's what you have to do for this offense thing to be successful. Funnel everything through Jefferson. And will there be times he probably is taken away, to your point, you know, Cooper Cup got locked up against Buffalo. Stafford kind of didn't really have an answer. Luckily, the Vikings have even more weapons around him that, Things should be successful if you are without a Justin Jefferson or if he is indeed locked up. But you have to figure out a way to funnel him the ball. Like, give him the ball. Basically make a Randy Ratio situation that that Mike Tice did with Randy Moss and make him the funnel through the offense, and then everything else can be secondary. Which, by the way, is still a really good news if you're a Vikings fan and you like this offense because everything else is gravy if you have Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith, K.J. Osborne as the secondary options. I think it's part of the typical first week struggles. Every team in the league is trying to figure their stuff out and spread the ball around beyond just a guy like Justin Jefferson. And I think as the weeks go on, Kirk Cousins will realize, okay, I've got other guys beyond 18. And it's almost like even making a sidebar comparison to the defense. So for instance, the defense, they gave up 111 rushing yards, which on the surface, that's pretty bad. but They went through their growing pains as well. In the first half, I counted in the first half, the defense allowed 33 rushing yards. And maybe in the second half, they came out and were feeling a little bit too good about themselves. It's all about adjustments. And that includes Kirk Cousins. That was the first game, Declan Goff. And just think, as good as they looked, particularly on offense, they're only going to get better. As teams, whether it's Philadelphia next week, Teams after that, they say, okay, well, Justin Jefferson, let's focus on him. You have other guys to spread the ball around. This should be the number one offense in the league. Mm. I think I've been trying to be safe about it and say top five and teeter here or there. Top three, this should be the number one offense in the league. 
without I know Patrick Mahomes is out there, but you don't have Tyreek Hill, even though he still has Travis Kelsey. Beyond that, you've got a couple of okay receivers. Nothing like this in Minnesota. Mm. And I think with this coach that we have, what we saw, if that's the worst that it is, where <laughs> Jefferson gets 184, and oh my God, just figure out to get other guys the ball, we're going to be just fine. Damn right. Yeah, it's, it's a great nitpick to have because if that's your problem, you got good problems. Um, Transitioning to that defensive side of the ball, Randy. So it was clear that it was it was a Zadarius Smith revenge game going into the going into the contest. Um, Zadarius Smith ends up sacking Rodgers, a couple quarterback hits, tackle for loss in his face the whole game, jarring at him a little bit, but it also in a playful way. Rodgers was playing along too, but it just felt like man, Zadarius Smith, who was this great kind of buy low candidate, who kind of snuck to the Vikings after a weird failed physical with Baltimore and whatnot, but like a guy who was a All Pro just two years ago and was sacking Kirk Cousins in this building like ten times over the last few years he comes back and is the the exact type of maybe last little ingredient x factor to give daniel hunter a little bit of help but also just to make that vikings defense a lot better he really stood out to me as as one of the more noticeable players in the vikings defense yesterday ironically he did what anthony barr did to the jets except with baltimore and decided to come back further irony is that he's wearing 55 Further irony beyond that, Declan Goff, is because I talked about this on the live stream that I did yesterday. The sack fumble, Jordan Hicks on Aaron Rodgers, recovered by Dalvin Tomlinson. If you're not paying attention to anything else, Zadari Smith went through, he shot through the gap in the middle. A.J. Dillon went up to make a pass-protecting block attempt on Zadari Smith. Smith blew that block to hell. And it reminds me of, Again, 55, the irony is that years ago when Jamal Williams was with the Green Bay Packers, this was at Lambeau Field, when Barr tried to rush Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams stepped up, he held him in check. Barr couldn't break, he couldn't break free at all. Zedary Smith, he brings a different element to this defense. He had the sack, the goal line stand, along with Harrison Phillips, sensational. He was the defensive player of the game. He made plays all day long. But the impact that he brings to the table beyond just the plays. If you think about guys like Daniel Hunter, Harrison Hitman Smith, they're silent assassins, Eric Kendricks. Some Eric Kendricks kind of ebbs and flows whether he makes a play or not, and, and I get that. But we haven't really had that on-the-field leader on the defensive side of the ball. They kind of – Hunter, Smith, and Kendricks, they let their play do the talking for them. And that's cool. Yep. But the energy that Zadarius Smith brings, he is that leader on defense that I've been looking for forever now. And it makes me think of whether it's on the field or on the sideline. When morale is low and you need someone to boost this team up defensively, I've seen so many videos that I can't count of, whether it's guys like Ray Lewis or, my goodness, even going back to Brian Erlacher, guys that just pick their team up when they're feeling down. That is the difference that is Zadari Smith. And he, is, I'm so glad he's on this team. The impact that he's going to have defensively beyond the play. Baseline, beyond the intangibles, if you don't want to include that, he's a great player. Add the intangibles as well. We're looking pretty good right now. I love it. Yeah, he kind of has uh, a little bit of that Everson Griffin 
uh, characteristic, right? Where he like he, he can just kind of pump up the defense. He's charismatic. Yeah. He's noticeable. Um, and he's even a better player than Everson was. And look, Everson Griffin was a really good defensive end. Maybe even a Vikings Ring of Honor candidate when it's all said and done. But like Zadarius Smith was an All Pro a few years ago, and essentially kind of got blackballed a little bit by Green Bay. Um, he already voices his pleasures you know, going into the game about how he wanted the revenge tour, and that's why he signed with the Vikings. He wanted to get payback against Green Bay. Um, but he just he seems like that leader that this Vikings defense desperately needs. And look, Daniel Hunter is also an amazing player, but he needs some help on the defensive end line. And if those two dudes are getting after the QB and lining up in different spots, you know, Daniel Hunter was also lined up on the inside a few times, not just on the outside. You can get creative with how you want to blitz those guys, whether they have their hands in the dirt or they're standing up. It's going to make life a hell of a lot harder on opposing quarterbacks if those two dudes are getting after it. And, you know, your point about the run defense, yeah, like 6.1 yards per carry. You and I have been kind of hampering on this the last few weeks that, man, you got to plug up that run defense somehow. You know, they, we're not going to get the Williams wall back necessarily, but you got to fix it. And look, if the, Vi- uh, the Packers basically had to abandon the run because they were down so early, so they had to pass, had to pass. And I think... If they don't have any wide receivers for them that, that can help them out, they just might be a run-heavy team with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback at this point. A.J. Dillon was having a pretty damn good game. Um, if other teams run successfully against the Vikings' defense and they're able to get points early, well then you know that trickle-down effect of not being able to stop the run could be an issue. But you saw the formula that if, hey, if the pass rush is good and they sacked Aaron Rodgers four times, you're probably going to win. The defense can play well enough where they can give up some big run plays they might give up a big pass play here and there, but if the pass rush gets after the quarterback, that's basically all you can ask for from the Vikings defense in 2022. I honestly feel like the run defense is just fine, and this is coming from somebody who was very scared of what the run defense was going to allow. This is a situation where stats don't tell the whole story. 111, wow, that's tough. They had 33 rushing yards in the first half. Green Bay did. And to be honest, mm. Green Bay is such a slow-paced team. The amount of times where Rodgers would allow the clock to get down to five, four, three seconds before snapping the ball was incredible. They tried to still run the ball. And to be honest, I feel like anecdotally speaking, they didn't really start going off until late in the second half as far as rushing the football. Maybe the Vikings defense, they got a little bit complacent. Okay, we're feeling good. We're up by double-digit scores. But this run defense, I think what we saw in the first half and to start the second half, I think they're going to be just fine. Maybe sign a guy like Indomitian Sue. You can, you can never have too many quality players on the defensive line. If anything, and the pass rush will definitely make a difference because the amount of times where Rodgers just didn't feel comfortable, especially the amount of times where he lets the play clock go down to 5-4-3, and okay, he's scrambling back, okay, snap the ball, and he's so flustered, he's not ready, he didn't get set, but guess what? That pass rush is getting after it. They were great. I'm not worried about the run defense right now. If there's anything on this defense that I am actually worried about, it's the secondary. Patrick Peterson, it's only week one, don't want to overreact here. Patrick Peterson got embarrassed yesterday. He... Should have ended up on Sports Center top ten with that Christian Watson drop. There were other times where he basically, if this was basketball, it was the equivalent of him getting crossed up and his ankles getting broken. Yeah, he looked bad. That's what I'm worried. But the run defense, one eleven. You look at that and say that's not great. I thought they did a hell of a job yesterday. Yeah, I mean it. it 
if you can get after the QB, it can kind of make up for those deficiencies, right? You you might have a a broken coverage play on on from your defensive backs. You know, Pat P might get burned a little bit. You know, you might get some sieve run plays that come up the middle against you, and, and that's fine. But if you can stop, the, if you can get after the QB and 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 not let that bleeding affect too much, it's going to be a going to be a good thing. You know, I I know I owe an apology for Eric Kendrick, so which I'll get into here in a little bit on the show. But another dude um, who really stood out to me, and this is where I kind of had a. a projection of I think this guy's gonna have a little bit of a rejuvenating career and I, I told Mackie and Judd and they're like I don't think it really qualifies but Harrison Smith yesterday looked like Harrison Smith from like five six years ago when he was still in his prime and prime and, and and I still think there is a good amount of of good football left in Harrison Smith's game but that dude yesterday was all over the field he was tackling players he had the big pick that kind of swung the momentum back in, in the Vikings favor he is that exact player ironically that Kevin O'Connell talks about with the illusion of complexity He's one of he's that player as a defender, right? Like Aaron Rodgers has talked for years that he thinks he's legitimately one of the toughest players he has to go up against twice a year because he doesn't know where he's going to be. Is he going to be dropping back in coverage? He's going to blitz me off the line. I have no idea where this guy's going to come from. It just seemed like Harrison Smith was another dude to me that really stood out. It was like, yeah, this is the type of dude who I don't think hit a wall last year. I'm not implying that, but I think he has even more of a second win unlocked with him with Ed Donatel because they're going to scheme him and use him in ways even that Mike Zimmer couldn't even do, which is ironic considering Zimmer was a defensive coach and basically basically his coach for the majority of his career so far. But I thought Harrison Smith, too, to like really stood out to me and looked like the old Harry the Hitman. I think what maybe is unfair to him is that he set the bar so high when it comes to his play. I feel like even if he technically has a down year, I feel like I haven't seen any difference in his game for years. In fact, the, the only time I can think of, and maybe it's just not fair to say, well, he's greater than he was, or maybe he's not. It's because he's been a steady beating drum. The only thing I can think of, the last time I can think of him struggling was the 2017 NFC Championship game. But guess what? The whole defense yeah. struggled in that game. Harrison Smith, it, and the way he plays, it's very important because how many safeties have we seen in the history of this league, at least for as long as we've been watching football? I think of guys like Roy Williams, just these hard-hitting safeties. They're just going to smash and blow stuff up. Harrison plays with, it's almost like a Tim Duncan comparison. Yeah, that's good He one. does everything so technically right. He doesn't overdo it. He's not necessarily maybe the most athletic person out there. But he does everything right, and he's not beating his body up, which is why I think he's lasted so long in this league. Also why I think he has another two or three years left to still play at a high level. I'm not worried about this guy at all, and I'm so glad he's still with this team. I think he's going to be around for another two or three years. I think that safety position with him, eventually you're going to have to replace it at some point. But for right now, if we're going to replace anybody, it's going to be Cam Bynum with Lewisine. You did draft him in the Mm -hmm. first round. But that's a position right there with Hitman 22 where you can check that off and say, we're just fine. Yeah. He plays a position, too, in safety, right? Like, you can play that late into your 30s, you know? Charles Woodson moved off, right, from a cornerback to a safety and and was able to play that for us for a very long time. And Harrison was the highest-graded player on the Vikings' defense, according to PFF, yesterday. And he just, yeah, he looked... A lot more like the Harrison Smith, to your point. Like he came in the league as a great rookie, kind of achieved low key Pro Bowl and acclaimed status. Like everyone knows who Harrison Smith is. Um, but 
it just seemed like he looked more like the player that he was previously and just kind of got sick of the Mike Zimmer scheme too. Like that's a dude who leads by his play. Like you, you said earlier, like he leads by his play. That's his leadership. He's quiet. He doesn't talk a lot. He lets his play dictate how he is on and off the football field. And it just felt like that dude was back to being the Harrison Smith that hits people, gets primetime interceptions, which was he was able to do yesterday too. I was super impressed. All right, Randy. I said last week to you, what player am I worried about kind of falling off a cliff or disappoints me the most? Exactly. That, that was my exact words. Which player disappoints me the most in 2022? And I said, you know what? I think it's going to be Eric Kendricks. He hit a little bit of a wall last year. Um, he's up there in age. He could be probably a camp cut or a, a cut going into the salary cap next season. I just don't know if there's anything left to his game. The dude obviously made a, an insanely great play towards the end of the game to kind of seal the deal for the Vikings. He was all over the field. He was doing the things he's known for, which is being one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, one of the best tacklers in the NFL. And Randy, I'm here to say that I apologize for questioning if Eric, if, uh, Eric Kendricks could be that dude that ends up being a, a big problem for the Vikings. I have even... The thought of that has caused Randy, I think, even to go into a tailspin. So he, I don't think, realized the fact that I had to actually eat my words and apologize for it. But yes, Randy, I am sorry for doubting Eric Kendricks. Yeah, and I was on the live stream <laughs> yesterday doing this entire game. And when Eric Kendricks made that play on Robert Tunney, who's a good player, by the way. I know he struggled with injuries. I think he missed last uh, nine games last season for Green Bay. He's a good player. But with the game on the line, fourth and one, taking a shot to the end zone, Eric Kendricks, the best, the best pass defending linebacker in the league, the greatest Vikings linebacker that I've ever seen, made that play. And I said to myself, oh, I'm going to get Declan Goff tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to get him almost as quick as you put that, write that down, as, as quick as you wrote that down saying, Eric Kendricks, I don't know, he's going to be the player that's going to have this the disappointing season. He made that play. He's still a great player, man. Players have down years. They bounce back. Just because you have one down year doesn't mean you're at the end of the road. He bounced back. He's a great player, man, and he can still get after it, especially in the passing game. This is a league that is designed to cater towards the passing attack, and if you have a linebacker like that who has no business moving the way he does at his size, but can contribute defensively in the passing game at linebacker. So this is basically an extra safety that you have out there. I mean, his value is incredible for this team. Yeah, there's a lot of like rejuvenating candidates there and Harrison Smith and Eric Hendricks, you know, that can maybe take the next step forward. Um, And yeah, he's still a damn good player. You're right. I was, I was, uh, I was foolish, foolish to doubt him. Randy, a few more things here. Um, kind of curious, what was what was maybe your favorite thing from that Vikings game? And it could be something maybe we already talked about, but after watching the Vikings uh, beat the Packers in Week One, what was one thing that really stood out to you that was the most fun to see? The most fun to see is really, and this is just more so as far as how I feel within myself. I just had fun as a fan. Yeah. I had fun watching that game. Even in moments of just, uh, I don't know what's going to happen here, I never had any doubt whatsoever. I knew the Vikings were going to win, and even if they didn't, I knew they were going to put up a hell of a game. For the first time in years, I was just relaxed watching the game. And, And the amount of times that every season starts with the previous regime where I say, yeah, they've got a chance and they've got the talent. Every year they've got the talent. Okay, can they just put it together, and yeah, here's why, and I would convince myself. There was no convincing this time. Mm -hmm. I was able to just sit back, 
have a great time. And against a team like Green Bay, who's going to have one of the – they're going to bounce back from that loss. They're, offensively, I don't know about that. Their receivers are terrible. Yeah, they're bad. But um, to, to think about this, Alan Lazard is their best receiver. On any other team in the league, at best, he might be a wide receiver too, or more so a wide receiver three yeah. more often than not. They're going to struggle struggle offensively, but defensively, they're a good team. And the fact that they did that to a team like that, it's just I'm I'm excited to be excited again as a fan. That is the one thing I love the most from yesterday's game. Yeah, man, I, I I love the fact that it was a number one. You played your rival and you kicked their ass at home. Like I I just I, I love that. That's how you set the season. Like I I didn't want to play. You know. Um, they if they would have played the Commanders in Week One, and if they would have won, it would have been fine. Yeah. But it was just like yeah. I don't, I don't want a lackluster, you know, half-assed team. Like I want to see an actual your opponent, want a team that you want to smash the mouth and make a statement against. And they were able to do it against Green Bay. And yeah, it was just it was so much fun to have football back. I've been talking about how much I'm sick of watching my baseball team be just play baseball. To be honest, not even the fact of like they're playing good baseball because they're not. Just the idea of watching more baseball is killing me. So the fact that the football was back, it was a full Sunday slate of games. That's all I could ask for too, uh, Randy. I guess let's let's do also maybe a little bit. Let's do a little bit of preview. Think of of what to expect against Philadelphia. Now I did see as we're recording this that uh, Eagles defensive end Derek Barnett did tear his ACL, so he is out oh for God. the season for wow. Philly, which is a big blow to that defensive line um, for them. Uh, so that's one last cog the Vikings got to worry about for if if you're a Vikings fan too. Which by the way that that line might get after Kirk Cousins. That's one less key person you have to worry about and game plan against. Uh, on Monday Night Football uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, but I know you you have roots from Philadelphia, correct? You, like you 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 know at least some decent amounts of, of Philly fans and and just Eagles teams from the from the past. So I'm a big. I'll, I'll give you kind of my my Eagles knowledge here. I love Don McNabb as a kid. I think I wore a McNabb jersey in my sixth and seventh grade yearbook photo. I was a big Don McNabb fan, and I will not talk about my expectations for him when he came to the Vikings in 2011. Um, but I do know Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I was a big fan of him coming out of college, a great dual threat dude. You know, they almost blew the game to the Lions yesterday, but, you know, they won, and they're, they're, they're coming off a playoff berth. I guess, what is, your, um, what, what is your thoughts on the Vikings playing the Eagles in Philadelphia next Monday night? Well, you got to account for Dallas Goddard. Jordan Hicks, as the amount of plays he made yesterday, the sack fumble, it was great, but in pass coverage, not so hot. So against a guy like, Dallas Goddard, there could be some red flags there. Offensively, even without who did you say tore their ACL? My goodness. Oh, for uh for for, for the for for Barnett. Yeah. Derek Barnett. Barnett. Okay, yep. so Derek Barnett. Okay. Even still, with that loss, they've still got Brandon Graham. They still have Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, they still have Jordan Davis. There were times yesterday for the Vikings where I feel like the offensive line struggled as a whole the offensive tackles, the pass rush that they were bringing, and credit to Kirk Cousins, he was able to get the ball off despite getting hit eight times yesterday. The offensive tackles, the interior offensive line, against this defensive line, they are going to bring the heat. But with that said, as long as you can get the ball off, if Kirk can do what he did yesterday, in spite of pressure, get the ball off to your receivers, guys like Justin Jefferson, they are going to make plays happen. Jalen Hurts, I'm honestly not worried about him at all. He is a one-dimensional quarterback that needs to use his legs to get outside the pocket and extend plays. Sitting in the pocket, allowing him to survey the field, 
it's almost like Mitch Trubisky. He's one read and done. He likes to take off. Our pass rush, what we saw yesterday, if that is the same quarterback we're going up against, Jalen Hurts, that I know, we're going to be just fine. A.J. Brown is the one receiver you have to worry about. Devontae Smith, they, I don't know what happened to him yesterday. They didn't really target him at all. But A.J. Brown is the one one guy you have to worry about. And the run defense, I think, is going to be just fine. The way they started in that first half against a guy like Miles Sanders, who's not at the level of Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, talk about two games to start the season that you could not be more happy for if you're a Vikings fan. To start the season like this, if you can get back-to-back statement wins, one against your division rival and the other on the road against a team like that, Philadelphia, that's huge. I think the Vikings are in prime position to win on Monday night next week. Yeah, I I think they should be able to. You know, Jalen Hurts, uh, those dual-threat dudes kind of gave Zimmer fits. Like, I'm just curious... You know, if, if they do all the things they're supposed to do in their pass coverage and they're able to, you know, maybe lock down an A.J. Brown, are the odds are that if you lock down A.J. Brown and contain Jalen Hurts, you should win. But can Jalen Hurts, you know, steal a third down when it's third and seven and he's able to bail them out with his legs? You know, he did that against the Lions yesterday a few times where he was able to, yeah, maybe his reads aren't there and doesn't have the athleticism to make the throw. But, I mean, the dude is athletic as hell with his legs and he can do a lot of stuff. He's a dual threat guy. So... I think the Vikings should be able to win in Philadelphia. It's a tough place to play. Vikings fans know that very, very well. Um, but I think they should be able to go into Philadelphia and start 2-0. and And to your point, too, of having two opponents early to kind of set the tone and make you really optimistic, right? Like, you're not, you're not starting with two softballs and you start 2-0 and, and, oh, yay, we're 2-0 and and here we go, right? No, you're playing the defending NFC North champions. You're playing the team that won the NFC East last or was was a wild card team out of the NFC East last year. You're playing two playoff teams, and you're potentially going to go on the road and steal a win, start two and zero. I think it could be good news for the Vikings. So, yeah, I, I think the Vikings should be able to get a win next week on Monday Night Football in Philadelphia. Um, curious to see how how it goes, man. Randy, any other like NFL takes that you noticed, or any other things from the Vikings game that were left over in your notes here before we wrap up? As far as I want to piggyback off what you just said, as far as the mobile quarterbacks giving us fits in previous years. So just like when I said, well, oh boy, the Packers, they may be coming back, starting to feel a little bit, the collapse is happening. It's different now as far as with the coaching staff, Kevin O'Connell. That also includes Ed Donatel, who last year, DC of the Broncos, they played the Dallas Cowboys and they won final score 30 to 16 against a quarterback like Dak Prescott. I think it's different this time around with the pass rushes that we have. They're going to set the edges like they should. And if Hertz tries to get outside, they're going to clean up. I'm not worried about it, man. This is a new day. As a Vikings fan, everything that happened in the past, I'm leaving it in the past. The Vikings, they should easily win this game. 2-0? I don't care. I'm letting it all out. 2-0. Hey, I had, I had him starting 4-0 before losing at home to the Bears, who somehow won their, like, oh, Picasso okay. football field yesterday against the San Francisco 49ers. But, uh, yeah, I think they should be able to start 2-0, man. I'm excited for it. They beat a team that somehow has a worse quarterback than Chicago in Trey Lance. My yeah. goodness. Congratulations, Chicago. Yeah. You got it. That, that, is, uh, that might be a little bit of rough for San Francisco. I know they had still, like, Super Bowl aspirations because – because they have a good coach and their roster is still really good around Trey Lance. Ma, might be a little coming down to earth if you're uh, you're San Francisco at this point. Wouldn't shock me at all. 
All right, man. Realistic Randy rants. My name is Declan Goff. That's Realistic Randy. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here on Purple Daily. Hit the subscribe button. We'll be back tomorrow on this YouTube channel. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.